Thank you, worship team. I think I just appreciate the way that we are faithfully served week in and week out by the worship team, just giving their time and effort and energy and passion to bless us. So we need to be thankful that we've got just a fantastic worship team who just does it week after week after week. How good of the Lord provide that for us, serve us that way. I don't know where Adam's at, but Adam, thank you for leading that team and being faithful to serve us as a body. Good morning, everybody. If you want to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4, looking at verses 12 and 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 16. We're going to look at this passage in, in three different sections. The first section, the first couple of verses look at who we are before God. The second couple of verses look at who Jesus is. And then the last verse, verse 16, pinpoints for us how we respond in light of who we are, who Jesus is, and then what do we do with that. All right. Well, the good news is next week we will have one service at 930. The week after that, we won't be here anymore. We will be at the new location behind the post office on Kennedy Avenue in Highland. And our new service time will be 930. And so this is our last two service Sunday. Um, the worship team and the sound team and everyone else is like, oh, great. This is good news. Only, I only have to preach one time on Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. But uh, it is a privilege to, to serve you that way. But, man, it's good just to be all together as a family. Just enjoy each other's fellowship and company. See people that you usually don't see who don't usually see you. And so this is a way that we can all come back together. And uh, as I was beginning to think about moving church and moving buildings and what that means in terms of, you know, new chairs, Lord, please provide new chairs, new sound equipment. We need new sound equipment. But as I begin to think about all these things, it really is a challenge for me because I can get so wrapped up into the new setting, the new place, what's it going to mean, what, what can we do with this new facility, and start really kind of scheming in terms of just stuff. And we've been blessed. We have been here for over a year, and we, we planted this church with... I think we had $10,000 in the bank. We planted a church. And God has provided everything we've ever asked for. We didn't have a ton of money just to pour into facilities and, and TV screens and all kinds of stuff. We just simply came and we felt God was calling us to do this and we went for it. And God has provided every step of the way. There's nothing that we haven't asked God for that he hasn't graciously given us. And so we are so grateful to God. Now, moving to this new facility, we need to continue to ask the Lord for those things that will, will be, enable us to continue to minister. But what happens in my own heart as I begin to think about these things is I can so subtly move to the excitement of a new place, the, the, like I said, the scheming of everything, and I move from the foundation. We didn't plant a church here to buy a bigger facility, a nicer place, so our kids will have a gymnasium that we can always go and play in and some nice classrooms that we can call our own. We didn't plant for that. Now, if the Lord graciously gives, us, gives that to us, amen. 
But what we came to do is proclaim the message in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is why we came. And so this message that I'm preaching this morning may sound familiar if you were sitting here over a year ago because I preached on the same text um, when we first launched. But this is our foundation. This is who we are. Is we may move buildings, we may move chairs, we may move sound equipment, but we're never going to leave this foundation. The message of Jesus Christ and who Jesus is and our need for a Savior will never, be, will never move from that. We may move a million miles away from here, and this is still going to be the foundation of our church and of our lives. And so this is important for us to get today because I feel like in all the, all the commotion and all the, the busyness of everything, we can so subtly keep our, take our eyes off of the foundation and look at the building. You know what? This is our foundation. This is who we are before God. And so let's turn to Hebrews, Hebrews 4. We'll start reading in, chap, in verse, Hebrews 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 12 and 16. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double or any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you this morning for the way that you have provided a building for us to meet in so far. God, thank you that you have given us chairs and sound equipment and people to fill the chairs. God, thank you that you've done all these things. Lord, you have been faithful every step of the way. And God, as we approach your word this morning, we ask that you would continue to impact and affect our lives through your word. God, we don't want just our thoughts. We want your thoughts. And Lord, we don't want to be hardened against your word, but we ask that by your grace, you would soften our hearts, make us open to receive the good news. And Lord, we ask for the gift of faith that we would not only hear your word, but that we would be doers of your word and see a harvest of righteousness in our lives, in our church, in our families. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is to meet together in your name. Thank you for the family you've brought together in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this passage of Scripture starts out in verse 12, talking about the Word of God. And the Word of God is living and active. It is accomplishing something. 
The word of God is not dormant. The word of God is not inactive. The word of God is doing something. And in this passage of scripture, the word of God is, is revealing. It's revealing us. It's, it's cutting us to the quick. It's getting to the very heart and core of who we are. Now, at the airports, they've got new equipment. And I'm sure you've read about the new x-ray equipment, right? It's been in the news. It's been in the newspapers. You walk through this machine, and they basically can see your entire body minus the clothes. And people are furious. People are angry. Yesterday, I was in the airport. Michelle and the kids are in Atlanta with her sister and family. And I flew back yesterday, and we're in line. And they've got like every, I don't know how many people have to go through. I guess if you look suspicious, you go through the... You go through the x-ray machine, right? And the guy behind me, is he's with his children. They're younger kids. And the kids are like, they see this x-ray machine. You have to walk through. like, no way. Like, they start getting excited. And the dad's like, look, you don't want to go through the x-ray machine. Don't ask to go through. Don't look at it. Don't, like, try to go that way. Just keep your you know, eyes straight ahead. Don't, you know, don't ask any questions. Don't say anything. You don't want to get x-rayed. And the kids are like, like, oh, man, like, you're killing us here. We want the x-ray machine. But isn't that, isn't that like us? We don't want to be exposed. We don't, we don't like being exposed. We don't like being embarrassed that way. We don't like being naked. We don't like those things. We don't want to be seen that way. That goes against everything and every grain inside of us works against that. And even the dad telling his kids, don't do it. Have you ever given thought to the way that God sees us? That the way that God sees us. Now we may put on, we may come to church. We may have a good front. We may, we may come to church with a smile on our face. But this passage begins to describe who we are before God. This is who we are. This is the reality of, of, of us before God. It says, no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. This isn't just a, oh, I see you. It's, I see you. Now you must give an account for what I see. And Almighty God sees us in all of our sin and rebellion and our weakness and our frustration and our anger. God sees all of it. There's nothing left. There's nothing hidden from God. It says he sees all of it. We are exposed. This is what God's word does to us. It's, as I read this, I think it shows us we're weak. We are needy. We're defenseless on our own. This is the diagnosis of all of us. This is who we are. But not only does God see what we do, he sees the motives behind our heart. He sees why we do what we do. He sees our thoughts. You can imagine going through an x-ray machine if they not only x-rayed your body, but then showed your thoughts up on a screen. I mean, it would be crazy. People would be furious. And the flying industry would shut down. I mean, this would be like the standstill. I mean, this would, this would be crazy. No one would want that. But this is what God's word does. It says he, he knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. He knows what goes on in our, in our minds is the thoughts we think. This is, a, this is a pretty 
dim diagnosis of who we are. This is, this is doom and gloom for us. Because if you think about this morning, just this morning, if we were to take you and we took Matt or Larry, we put them up here, and we had all, their, all the sins they committed run across the screen, and we could all see that, no one would volunteer for that. No one would want that. And I'm talking just this morning. Can you imagine a lifetime of sin and rebellion against God? And God says, I see it all. I see all of it. You're, you're naked and exposed before me. Not only does we stand before God this way, but I want to encourage us. We, we've been to think about this because this is pretty, pretty dim. But yet we stand before one another this way. This isn't describing some of us or a few of us. And the, the really good people are opt out of this thing of being naked and exposed before God. This is all of us. This is who we all are before God. And if we are, if we are this way before God, why would we try to be anything other than that before one another and before God? I think sometimes we, can, we feel like we can fool one another, but we can't fool the Lord. He knows all of it. How many times have we showed up to church with pain in our heart, with frustration, with just, with just a hurt, whether from broken relationships or sickness or who knows what it is. And we come to church and someone asks, how you doing? It's a great, God is good. I'm blessed. Everything's good. We need to be the people who realize that the word of God affects not only our relationship with, with God, but with one another. This is who we are. We are, we are, we are, we are, in, we are together in this. This is all of us. We come to God this way. This leaves us humble before God and before other people because we know this, this, is, this is all of us. It puts, leaves us with no excuse to put up a facade before other people. I can think of the amount of times when I was going to Living Word Church and I wasn't on staff yet, and so I'd drive to, I'd drive to church with Michelle and the kids, or actually at the time probably just Michelle and the kid, and we'd be driving to church, and, man, you get... If, you're, if your drive to church is long enough, if it's more than like two minutes, there's a guarantee you get into a fight on the way to church. I mean, that's just the way it works. You're, you're on your way to church, battle royal, in the car, get out. Okay, we've got to worship God and love other people. And don't let anyone know it's got this huge fight. I'm frustrated as I'll get out, right? You've, you guys have been there before. I know, I know you have. I've seen some of your faces when I'm preaching sometimes. I see this, just kind of doing one of these, you know. Hopefully it's not at me. Um, but we can think we're the only people that's ever happened to. Like I'm the only person who's ever gotten into a fight on the way to church. I'm the only person who's ever who came into worship service with just a, just an anger in my heart of what was said to me and what I said. This is who we are. This is who we are. And you know what? God sees all of it. God sees all of it. Now we move from that. We move from that from God seeing our sin our rebellion against God, our anger, our frustration. We move, we move from that, from us. Now in verse 14, we begin to change pace because now we begin to look at who Jesus is. And this is the good news. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, 
let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So who would, what does this passage say about Christ? It says, number one, that he is a great high priest. The role of the high priest in the Old Testament was to bring people to God through sacrifices, through offerings. We couldn't just show up to the temple if we were in the Old Testament, say a few prayers, throw down a few offerings, and kind of go on our way. We had to work through the appointed person that would go to God on our behalf, who would offer the sacrifices and offerings for us because we we were unable to do that ourselves. We were unclean. We were unworthy. Couldn't do that. We couldn't go to God on our own. So the priest would then go for us. Sometimes I think we can take that for granted sometimes. We can come before Jesus Christ any time, any place, any day, anywhere. We can come before Almighty God. No matter what's going on around us, we don't need, a, we don't need to go to church to get before God. We do it at our home, in our car, at work. We do it anywhere. What the kindness of God. Can you imagine if you were in a, a dire situation, you have to say, you know what? I got to get before God, but I got to go to church. I got to bring an offering. I got to go to the high priest. And then he's got to take care of it for me. God says, no, no, you come to me directly. You know why? Because Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus Christ was not only the high priest, but he was also the sacrifice and offering for our sins. And that's what's so unique about Jesus. He wasn't just a high priest who offered sacrifices. He was the high priest who offered himself as the sacrifice, gave himself for our sin. As we are left naked and exposed before God, if we ended the book there, we'd be without hope. But Jesus Christ gave himself, his very life for our sins. As we come before God and we put our our faith in Jesus Christ, that his sacrifice for sin was for my sin. We turn from our sins and cling to Jesus with all of our heart, giving him right rule and reign in our lives. Jesus for us is our high priest and sacrifice for our sins. That's why when we sing these songs, we can sing these songs and just kind of go through the motions. Man, it should challenge us. We sing, Jesus, I am yours. The reason we can sing, Jesus, I am yours, because Jesus first gave himself for us. He was first ours. He gave himself for our sins. We can sing that song because from eternity past, God has taken hold of us and given his life for us and knew us and called us by name. And now we can say, Lord, I am yours, and we can mean it, and we can receive the blessing of being united with Jesus Christ. I wrote this, Christ has made a way for us to go to God. It is still through the high priest, but this high priest is himself. He has made a way for us to receive forgiveness of sin and make us acceptable to Almighty God. And it was through his offering of himself that we can come to God. So this is who Jesus Christ is. He's not only the great high priest, but in this passage also says he's the son of God. He's unique. He's not like any other high priest. Completely unique in his office. He is the great high priest as the son of God. 
not ministering in earthly temples, but ministering before the very throne of God. Not only is the great high priest, not only is he the son of God, but also says this, that he sympathizes with our weakness. He sympathizes with our weakness. He says, tempted in every way, just like us, yet without sin. That is such good news for us. The worst thing in the world is when you feel like ashamed of sin, when you feel ashamed of the things you've said and done, to have someone come alongside you and just look at you with disdain in their heart, thinking, oh, I would never do that. I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you did that. How could you ever do that? We feel so beaten down in that moment, so condemned in that moment. Here, Jesus Christ, not making light of sin, not, not dismissing sin, but sympathizing with us in our weakness, coming alongside us. He is our champion over sin. We think about Jesus Christ enduring the full experience of temptation. We, when, when temptation gets hard, we give in. Jesus Christ experienced the full brunt and force of temptation, yet never sinned. Now we can come to Almighty God and know that He loves us and is sympathetic towards us and welcomes us to Himself. He was triumphant over sin. He laid his life down on the cross for our sin, rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. Now he becomes our champion. He not only came to fix our sin problem, but he says he sympathizes with us. I know for me, when Michelle and I are together, she comes to me with a problem, and I just say, you know what? Piece of cake, honey. I've got it. I got problem solved. Boom, boom, boom. I one, two, three. Problem solved. You got any other problems for me to solve? I'm I'm here to do that. I'm your husband. I'm a problem solver. This is a piece of cake. That never works, does it? Husbands, you know, you've tried it before. Hey, I'm a problem solver. Just come to me. I'll have your problem solved in a couple minutes. What Michelle wants, she wants a companion. She wants someone who can hear her out. Someone who can sympathize with her. Someone who's not just going to solve her problems, but someone who who comes alongside and says, honey, I'm with you in this. That's what Jesus does for us. He doesn't just come and say, problem solved, do this, do this, do this. Okay, be on your way. No, he sits down next to us and say, tell me what's going on. What's in your heart? He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That's the call of Jesus. If you are here today and you feel like in your heart, there has been things that have just been frustrating you, been hard, have been difficult. We need to take that and go to the Lord. It's his invitation to us. Now, verse 16 is where, this is where it takes the turn. So not only do we see of ourselves as naked and exposed, God seeing all of our sin in, in verses 12, 13, Now do we see Jesus as the great high priest, the unique high priest, verses 14 and 15. In verse 16, it says this, Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us then. This is the ministry that we have at Mercy Hill, that by God's grace, By God's mercy, we can approach 
the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. That this defines our ministry here. This will always define our ministry. It is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It is worked through with this understanding that we need to draw near by God's grace and receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need because we have times of need. We need to do this. We need to live this out. We can turn to so many other things for for help in our time of need. Turn to friends, turn to vacations, turn to movies, turn to Facebook, turn to shopping. All those things can somehow fill some, maybe some temporary need. But the the long-lasting need inside of us at our core is only filled by Jesus. It's only filled by Christ. Nothing else. We can go no other place but, but to Jesus. So it's an encouragement for us. Although it's not sinful to go on vacation, to talk to friends, to get on Facebook. It's not sinful. Those things aren't in and of themselves sinful. We need to realize that we need to go to Jesus. And this, for us, defines all of ministry we have here. Everything we do here, children's ministry, ushering, worship, whatever it may be that you're doing here for ministry, this is it. This sums it up. Let's go to Jesus. That by God's grace, he's made a way for us to receive mercy and grace in our time of need, to receive forgiveness of sins, to receive hope. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. This is for all of us. This is the life that we live. I was, I was, on, I was on vacation this past week with Michelle's family. And uh, with, I was on vacation with Michelle and the kids visiting family in, in Knoxville in Atlanta. And we, we went to visit Michelle's um, brother and sister in Atlanta, or her, her sister and brother-in-law, I should say. And they have this a really, they live in a nice neighborhood. And they filmed a movie in this neighborhood. And this guy used to play in the NBA. There's a couple doors down. And this other lady's on a TV show, lives in their neighborhood. And just this nice, nice neighborhood. And, uh, you know, just being there and seeing all this stuff, I just felt my own heart begin to desire, like, oh, man, my house isn't big enough. My cars are too old. It's just, I don't have, my, it's just all this, all this inside of me, this, this longing for something other than Christ to fulfill a need. This need for, for, for things, is, oh, if, and it's all rationalized. Well, if I had a bigger house, we'd have more people over. It's for, for God's kingdom, right? I mean, this is, God is your business, you know? But I just felt like the Lord gently correcting me in all these things. My joy, my life is found in Jesus. Those things may provide some kind of temporary adventure, fun, enjoyment, but it's not, it's never long lasting. That new car eventually gets old and rusty and dies. That big house sooner or later begins to break down and stuff needs to be fixed and worked on. The deck needs to be stained. All these things eventually happen. But with Christ, this goes on forever. This is who we are. We go to Christ. And I wonder, even as I speak today, if there's things that God is pointing out in your life, that God is putting his finger on, areas of your life that you have not submitted to Christ. Areas of your life that you've gone to other places 
whether it be relationships, whether it be some form of escape, whether it be shopping, who knows what it is. And we've gone to other places to find peace. And we've gone to these things instead of Christ. And I feel like the Lord would encourage us today. Let us go to the throne of grace. Let us draw near. It's this welcome. It's this invitation from the Lord to draw near to the Lord. This for us defines ministry and life at Mercy Hill Church. This is who we are. We go to Christ. This is the ministry we have. This is, as we move buildings, as we move from that, the, the next building, God willing, to the next building, to who knows what God has for us, this will remain the foundation. It is in Jesus. He is our foundation. He is our goal. He is our end. And together we go to Jesus. I would encourage you as we think about these things, you think about what God's calling you to do in your own life. Who can you bring with you to go to Jesus? This isn't let me go to Jesus. Let, let me draw near. This is let us. There, there is a solidarity in us as a church that we move forward together, that together we go to Jesus. Together we do this. Who can you bring with you to Jesus? Who by God's grace can you encourage to go towards Jesus. So where do we turn? We turn to Jesus. It's by His grace. It's because of who Jesus is that we do these things. I'm going to close in prayer, but I want us to consider these things because this is important for us. This is important because as we move, the temptation will be to look at bigger and better things, to new buildings, new times, new facilities, all these things. But this has to remain the same. We will not move from this conviction of heart. We go to Jesus. So Lord, we want to thank you for the foundation we have in you. Lord, that you are our life. You are our hope. You are our source. Lord, even as we come before you naked and exposed, God, you sympathize with us. You beckon us to draw near to receive grace and mercy in time of need. So Lord, I pray that that would define our ministry and life here at Mercy Hill Church. Lord, that we would be the people of God who would draw near to your throne and receive grace. God, even in the drawing, Lord, you are, you are giving us grace to do so. And we thank you for that, God. Let that infuse our worship, our service, all that we do. Let it be infused with the understanding, God, that you are drawing us near by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.